the Charlottesville region continues to dig out after an early winter storm that may have set the tone for 2022, a year that has a lot to do to compete with its cousins 2020 and 2021. Only five days in, and it's possible we're going to be in for a bumpy ride. Charlottesville Community Engagement is prepared and asks that you keep your arms and hands inside the vehicle at all times, lest you be thrown to the wolves. I'm Sean Tubbs. On today's program, as the Albemarle Board of Supervisors begins a new year, the last year ended with a rezoning on Rio Road East for a maximum of 328 units. Governor-elect Yunkin appoints his top agricultural officials, the community continues to recover from a devastating winter storm, and more bills are filed before the General Assembly. In today's first Patreon-fueled shout-out, Code for Charlottesville is seeking volunteers with tech, data, design, and research skills to work on community service projects. Founded in September of 2019, Code for Charlottesville has worked on projects such as an expungement project with the Legal Aid Justice Center, a map of Charlottesville streetlights, and the Charlottesville Housing Hub. Visit codeforseville.org to learn more about those projects. There are still many thousands of people without power across central Virginia, two days after a winter storm hit that surprised many after a new year that began with temperatures in the 60s. As the sun rose this morning, Dominion's outage map shows about a third of its customers in Albemarle remained without power. That number was reduced slightly as the morning wore on. The situation in Charlottesville was also markedly improved with just over a tenth of the city's 24,744 customers without power at sunrise. Here's an email from the company that they sent out late last night. As of 11 p.m. Tuesday, crews have already restored power to 310,000 customers impacted by this damaging storm. Dominion urges that anyone who is still affected who hasn't reported their outage to update that info at dominionenergy.com or phone 1-866-366-4357. Louisa County customers on Dominion Energy are mostly still out, and about two-thirds remained out in Fluvanna. Several areas of the community are served by the Central Virginia Electric Cooperative, who report about a third of their customers without power this morning. You can view their map in a link in the newsletter. Charlottesville has sent out a notice to property owners reminding them that public sidewalks must be shoveled 24 hours after a snowfall. Here's a bit from that release. With widespread power outages and the severity of this particular snowstorm, the city recognizes the need for additional time. As a result, the deputy city managers have declared 8 a.m. on Thursday, January 6, 2022, to be the official end of snowfall. That gives property owners until Friday at 8 a.m. to clear pathways, but the notice acknowledges that the potential of another storm on Thursday and points out that the time will reset if a second storm does hit this week. Charlottesville will delay trash and recycling pickup one more day until Thursday, and residents who get service Monday through Wednesday will now not get service until next week. With the potential for an additional snow system arriving at the end of the week, this current revised schedule is subject to change. 
Interstate 95 was opened in both directions last night, shortly after 8 p.m., after being closed for most of yesterday due to traffic jams caused by hazardous and impassable conditions. A press release sent out by the Virginia Department of Transportation last night warned drivers that parts of the roadway in Stafford, Spotsylvania, and Caroline counties remained hazardous with below freezing temperatures. In addition to contending with the aftermath of the snowstorm, Albemarle Public Safety had two other incidents to contend with yesterday. In one, police responded at quarter past 11 a.m. to a shots-fired incident on Dick Woods Road and arrested an Afton man on charges of brandishing and reckless discharge of a firearm. Mark McCann, 62, is currently being held at Albemarle Charlottesville Regional Jail without bond. Later in the day, at around 3 p.m., Albemarle County Fire and Rescue responded to a structure fire on Route 53 near Milton Road that injured one and displaced three. While the cause of the fire is under investigation, the news release for that contains this warning. Albemarle County Fire and Rescue would like to remind everyone to keep anything that can burn at least three feet from heating equipment and to always use the right kind of fuel specified by the manufacturer for fuel-burning heaters. Incoming Governor-elect Glenn Youngkin has named two people who will oversee policy and programs related to agriculture in Virginia. Matt Lohr will be the Secretary of Agriculture and Forestry, and Joseph Guthrie will be the Commissioner of the Department of Agriculture and Consumer Services. According to a release sent out yesterday afternoon, Lohr is a fifth-generation farmer from the Shenandoah Valley who has been chief of the United States Department of Agriculture's Natural Resources Conservation Service. He served in the House of Delegates from 2006 to 2010 before becoming the Commissioner of the Department of Agriculture and Consumer services. That position will now be filled by Guthrie, who grew up on a family farm in Pulaski County in the New River Valley. Guthrie is currently a senior instructor at Virginia Tech, where he was named as Man of the Year in 1989 as a graduating senior. He and his family continue to own a beef farm in the New River Valley. There are several reports that Youngkin will nominate his Secretary of Natural Resources later on today. I'll have that information tomorrow. The General Assembly session convenes in seven days, and about two new dozen bills were pre-filed yesterday, including more proposed rollbacks of legislation that passed the General Assembly under Democratic control in both houses. Here's that list. Delegate James Edmonds, a Republican from the 60th District, filed a bill that would add Prince Edward County to the list of localities authorized to levy a 1% sales tax to fund education projects if approved by a referendum. Edmonds also filed a bill allowing hunting on Sundays, but only in wildlife management areas operated by the Department of Wildlife Resources. In another piece of legislation, Edmonds has a bill that would allow employees of the Department of Wildlife Resources to sell, possess, sell, offer for sale, or liberate in the Commonwealth any live, fur-burring animal commonly referred to as nutria. Edmonds has a fourth bill that would allow people with valid driver's licenses to operate certain utility vehicles on secondary roads in counties with fewer than 100,000 people. Incoming Delegate Tim Anderson has a bill clarifying that active military with homes in Virginia are registered to vote in Virginia if they are on active duty. 
Delegate Glenn Davis, a Republican from the 84th District, filed a bill altering the section of code dealing with custody to change the word visitation to parenting time and to encourage maximization of time spent with each parent. Davis also filed a bill that would guarantee minimum rights for police officers and removing exceptions for those rights if a locality has a police civilian review board. Delegate Lee Ware filed a bill prohibiting campaign finance donations through utility companies. Ware also filed legislation prohibiting the sale of marijuana seeds or plants if the Assembly passes other legislation to allow retail sales of the end product. Ware also has a bill that would remove several sections of language in the state code that pertains to the Air Pollution Control Board. There's also legislation from Ware that would tweak the Virginia Clean Economy Act by adding a definition for energy-intensive trade-exposed industries. Last year, Albemarle County supervisors suggested they would like to look into increasing the transient occupancy tax to more than 4%. Ware has another bill that would require a referendum for counties that want to do that or increase the meals tax. Ware has another bill that would require the state government to reimburse localities for the cost of counting absentee ballots. Delegate Glenn Davis also has a bill specifying that skills games are gambling devices. Annoyed by free online trials that don't seem to have a cancellation option, Davis has a bill that would make that practice illegal. Delegate Ronnie Campbell, a Republican from the 24th District, has a bill that would restore police ability to stop motorists and pedestrians for a variety of infractions, including detecting the presence of marijuana. Delegate Davis has another bill that would create the Virginia Healthcare Regulatory Sandbox Program for innovative and pilot healthcare products. We'll have more bills tomorrow, and I hope to keep track of as much of this as possible. However, action gets crazy in the General Assembly once it begins. You're listening to Charlottesville Community Engagement, and in today's second Patreon-fueled shout-out, algorithms know how to put songs and artists together based on genre or beats per minute. But only people can make connections that engage your mind and warm your heart. The music on WTJU 91.1 FM is chosen by dozens and dozens of volunteer hosts, music lovers like you who live right here in the Charlottesville area. Listener donations keep WTJU alive and thriving. And in this era of algorithm-driven everything, go against the grain. Support Freeform Community Radio on WTJU. Consider a donation at wtju.net slash donate. Two segments today, and we're going to have a quick pandemic update. This morning, the Virginia Department of Health reports another 10,728 new COVID cases, and the percent positivity has increased to 32%, meaning that nearly one in every three PCR tests is positive. Positivity in the Blue Ridge Health District is at 24.7%, or nearly one in four tests. There are 207 new cases in the district reported today. A town hall scheduled for last night was postponed and will be held on Thursday at 7 p.m. Starting January 1st, the Virginia Department of Health has updated its case definition for COVID-19-related deaths, which may mean delays in the reporting of deaths this month. 
The agency recommends monitoring that information by date of death rather than date reported. There's some more information in a link in the newsletter. And finally today, in one of their last actions of 2021, the Albemarle Board of Supervisors voted to approve a rezoning in the Rio District that will bring over 300 rental units to the county's urban ring. The project had originally been developed by a Virginia beach firm who opted to not continue with the review process after supervisors appeared ready to deny the project on a tie vote on June 3, 2020. Local company Stony Point Design Build took over and have since purchased the 27-acre property. The company also built Dairy Central in Charlottesville. Stony Point Design Build renamed the project to Rio Point, but more or less kept the development intact, though they made a few changes. Cameron Langeal is a planner with Albemarle County, and he gives us the geographical scope. Um, to the northeast is the Dunlora subdivision. To the southeast is the Dunlora Forest neighborhood. Um, the property is bounded by the north uh, by John Warner Parkway, and across John Warner Parkway is the KTEC site. To the east is actually uh, land that's within the city of Charlottesville municipal boundaries. Many of those neighbors have expressed concern about building more homes in that area, making the argument that the roads are already overburdened. The land has been zoned R4 for many decades. Under that zoning, they could be developed for residential purposes um, up to 109 units, or if they did a bonus level cluster development, they could get 163 units. Doing so would likely mean all would be sold at market rate. That's how Southern Development developed Dunlora Forest. The county's comprehensive plan for many years has encouraged developers to seek rezoning to increase residential density in order to satisfy the county's growth management plan. Developers proposing 328 units maximum. Um, there is some open space areas that are also proposed. Overall, it's about 13 total acres. 1.1 um, acres of that open space is located closest to the intersection of John Warner Parkway and Rio Road East. This applicant is proposing to dedicate that to public use to establish a county park that would be connected to the existing greenway system. The new developer submitted a new traffic impact study that informed changes made to the vehicular entrances to the project and have dedicated other property along Rio Road to allow for tapered turn lanes. But Langeal said the biggest change is the approval and funding of a roundabout at the intersection of John Warner Parkway and Rio Road. We'd get rid of the signalized intersection that's currently at John Moore Parkway and Rio Road East. And it would be a roundabout that would basically allow the traffic flow to uh, move in any of the directions that they currently do. Stony Point Design Build would contribute $750,000 to the roundabout. Survey work is underway, and Langeal said its design will begin later this year. He added that Agner Hurt Elementary and Burley Middle School can both absorb students that would be generated by the development but acknowledged that the project may contribute to existing overcrowding at Albemarle High School. All but two of the ten speakers who spoke during the normal part of the public hearing asked the board to deny the application. Here's Lisa Drummond. In my opinion, um, doubling the allowable density for a development of this type, which is built on a two-lane road, which will always be a two-lane road, and is surrounded by two-lane roads in every direction, 
I think is a little misguided. The buy right with bonus still gets you within the range of what's in the master plan. However, supervisors appeared to be in favor of the project to help achieve the county's goal to create more housing units as identified in the Housing Albemarle Plan. Here's Supervisor Diantha McKeel. Without a doubt, um, the market is demanding rental, and we need more rental, which is what this provides. Chris Henry is the president of Stony Point Design Group. He said his firm conducts market analysis before proceeding with its projects. Today, the vacancy rate for apartments in Albemarle County is, is like 1%. Um, what's considered a healthy vacancy rate in any market is something like 5%. And I don't think Charlottesville's had north of a 5% vacancy rate for a decade at least. Henry also pointed to evidence that he said said that 30,000 commuters travel into Charlottesville every day, and providing more homes within the urban ring would reduce the overall vehicle miles traveled. He said a comparable project is the nearby Arden Place. The affordable rents will be over $1,000 for a one-bedroom unit. Market rates for a one-bedroom might be around 1400 Supervisor Ned Galloway noted that the proposal was submitted under Albemarle's previous housing policies, which required 15% of housing units created under a rezoning to be affordable. The Housing Albemarle Plan has moved that to 20%, though supervisors have yet to approve an incentives package designed to help developers make that goal. Doing it under the old policy allows an ease, a quick efficiency to happen. To aspire to the new housing Albemarle plan would require something different. Was that considered? Henry said the project might have been able to make that 20% goal with additional density. The previous developer had originally requested more than 400 units, but that was reduced due to community engagement. Um, and there's always the trade-off between more density and more affordability, um, because obviously the, the project is supported by the revenue that's being generated from those units. If the revenue is lowered, um, we have to have more units to, to get to the same result. And so that from our perspective, we, we considered uh, if we had to meet the county's new requirement that was enacted after this project, you know, application was completed, it, you know, we would have wanted to have significantly more units um, on site to, to offset. Supervisor Donna Price had been opposed to the rezoning when it was before the Board of Supervisors in June 2020 due to transportation concerns. I feel like we have a better application in front of us today than we did then, um, and I appreciate the changes that you have made. Galloway, however, could not support the project because he said it was not quite ready because the second phase of a corridor study for Rio Road is not yet complete and because it does not meet the housing Albemarle goals. So I'm frustrated that this application has made it before us before that corridor study is done. Um, and I'm equally frustrated that some comments have been made that we've learned enough already from the corridor study uh, to be able to make some of those decisions. The vote was five to one in favor of the rezoning with Galloway voting no. All right, very good. The motion carries five to one. Mr. Henry, congratulations. Good luck on your project. Thank you. To learn more about the Rio Road corridor study, visit this website or wait for a future edition of Charlottesville Community Engagement.
And that is it for this installment of Charlottesville Community Engagement, the third of the year and the fourth newsletter of the year so far. It has been a bumpy ride, and I am hoping to bring you information that can point you in the direction of things you might need to know and ask that you potentially help that by maybe kicking in some funds through a Substack subscription, which will be matched by the company Ting, or perhaps a Patreon contribution. If you sign up for that right now, you won't actually have to pay until the first of the month. I am Sean Tubbs, the host of this program and every other edition of Charlottesville Community Engagement. Really glad to be able to be here to work seven days a week to bring you as much information as I can about this community. There is always a lot of information, and that is the point of this program, to try to put it together for you in a way that uh, helps you keep paying attention and helps keep you informed. That's the goal of this kind of journalism. I am Sean Tubbs. I am the host of this program, and it is time to get on to start writing the next one. In the meantime, stay safe, stay warm, stay dry, and stay yourself. Thanks for listening. Thank you.